Welcome to the Wealth Collective Podcast, where the goal is to make finance fun and accessible to everyday Australians, sharing tips and tricks on how people can improve their financial position and have a laugh along the way. The information contained on this podcast is general advice only and hasn't taken into account your personal circumstances. Before acting on any of the content you've heard, you should consult your own financial advisor to consider whether that is appropriate for you. Welcome everyone to the 14th episode of the Wealth Collective podcast. It's Friday the 1st of March. I'm Pete Pennycott. I'm Zach Masters. And today's episode, we're joined again by Associate Advisor Daniel Reaper. G'day. So lads, I'm sure last week and maybe you know, the weekend was all spent sort of uh, digesting Uncle Warren's um, <laughs> annual letter to shareholders. So it was your Saturdays exciting as mine? Or? Yeah, I actually um, quite enjoyed this one. So I, I like reading it. Um, these letters and it's only 14 pages long and it's um, written in a way that's like quick little tiny paragraph takeaways that you can um, use so I, re- I quite enjoyed um, this one I thought uh, there was a few interesting points in there that we'll we'll talk about today yeah yeah I agree um, except I like to read the summarized versions online so <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit lazy when it comes what to that 14 pages yeah. it's so easy to read <laughs> wow okay <laughs> What else has been happening? So you sort of you got your the red hot chili willy on last night, Zach. Yeah, I was at the red hot chili peppers last night, so I'm sounding a little croaky and feeling a bit worse for wear um, this morning. But um, yeah, it was really really good. So and we're also celebrating uh, a good man on the right here, Daniel Reaper's yeah. um, second birthday of the year. It's, <laughs> it's like yeah, the birthday um, that never ends. Yeah, it's like a. Yeah, the birthday month really is yeah, well yes. and truly alive with this man over here. So how are we celebrating? What's the big fashion you sort of are? Um, I'm going down to the Pinchlid tomorrow and hired a bus to go through the main um, bee breweries there. So that's going to be awesome fun. Yeah. Oh, very good. <laughs> now sort of... Uh, in the sun, it's like <laughs> 29 <laughs> degrees as well. So it's actually perfect. So I'm okay. oh, Very good. Well, you know... Warren Buffett always has me thinking about long-term investing, so I thought it'd be really good and sort of you know, pertinent time to be talking about just the key principles of making long-term profits when we're talking about investing. So mm-hmm. in terms of where I might start is, I guess the main thing is our ideal holding period. So when we're thinking long-term, what does long-term mean to you guys? Uh, so for me, long-term is, well, as you said, our ideal holding period is forever. Okay. Um, so like ideally, but long in terms of investing, we usually say, you know, the long term is seven plus years. And mm-hmm. um, that's the way I tend to look at it. Um, anything shorter than that, you're kind of a bit more subject to volatility more, um, I think. Yeah, I, I agree as well. So for me being young, long term is that whole entire life holding period. But because I'm young, 10 years is probably my, my benchmark for a long term. Um Anything below is that really just like speculation type investing. So just those short term kind of goals. Yeah, yeah I, I think you're. It's a stretch to call anything when you're expecting to be invested like shorter than sort of seven to ten years. I think mm. you you really are. It is speculation. It's not investing, to be honest. So um, because yeah, in the in the short term, the famous quote is it's a, a voting machine. Uh, in the long term, it's a weighing machine. So Benjamin Graham. So yeah. I think that's just trying to say what market gyrations and movements you see it. You know, things fluctuate wildly all the time where, you know, the business is not worth 30% less than what it was the sort of the day before just because yeah. it had a quarterly report that said they're going to forecast a little bit less sort of um, revenue mm. in the next 12 months. So, 
Um, I think it's just keeping it real and sort of, yeah, ideally you want to hold things, you know, you want to hold your winning businesses mm-hmm. forever yeah. if you can. Um, so in terms of we might sort of step through as go, the big one is people live for a, a really, really long time. Yeah, so I think it's getting longer. So I think the stats <laughs> are sort of one in three people are getting to 100. Um, so what that means is you, your investments need to last a long time as well and they need to sort of keep comp- compounding. So I think for everyone, plan on living a long time and sort of when you're structuring your investments, I think it's important to have a cash buffer and make sure you've got that liquidity. But then the rest of your money should really be invested for growth long term. Mm-hmm. Um, so do your analysis, do your risk profile, but really you want to have that a big chunk of your money that's almost like set and forget that you can just sort of let it let it keep rolling and let it keep compounding. Uh, anything else on that, Tad, guys? No, I think that's, yeah, it's um, important. That's, yeah, buying good quality companies and holding them for the long term is, um, yeah, really an important thing when you're looking at investing. Yeah. Mm. And sounds really easy. Probably the thing mm. that does pop up from time to time is, and we sort of experienced it from October through till December uh, last year as well, is when market um, picks up in terms of volatility and we get a sharp sell off. All those long-term intentions, so the longest-term in investors and everyone that's really, really comfortable going, yeah, I can ride this out. I know it's a good quality business. The reality is they look at it and see it in their portfolio balance. They freak out. Mm-hmm. And they panic. And they then go, oh, actually, do I want to hold this? Is CBA suddenly not worth that much? Do I want to get out of, you, know, you even see really high-quality companies like CSL, they'll sell off 10% in a day. And then you sell. Yeah. Um, so I think the big thing is really... You've got to like harness your emotions, so keep those in check, because uh, I think that's where a lot of people lose, yeah, what could be really, really good returns, because they end up sort of selling at exactly the wrong time. Yeah, yeah I agree. Now uh, that's like um, last year we went to someone who spoke about the behavioural investing mm. quite a bit, um, and they were saying that as soon as the human gets involved in the investing process, that's when they stuff it up a lot of exactly. the time. Yeah. Um, so just yes, know what your strategy is from the start, and then try not to let the emotions get in yeah. get in the way. Uh, and if anyone wants to do some reading on it, Carl Richards, sort of, the, he's famously written The Behaviour Gap. So yeah. that's talking about what the market return would be um, and what the actual investor return would be. And that difference between it is generally because just poor human behaviour. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you miss out on even, I, I saw some stats on sort of um, American site. Um, so the S&P 500, which is a big index over there, if you've sort of just missed three of the best days over a 10-year period, it can halve your return. Yep. So it can take it down from 7 to about 4%, which is pretty crazy to think. Yeah. Um, and the really damning statistic is generally those best days are really, really close in sort of sequence to the worst days. Mm. Um, so and you think about that with rolling years as well. You know, 2008, horrible. 2009, really sort of you know, quick spike mm. up as well. So I think you've just got to be able to hold your nerve. Um, and is there any strategies that you've sort of got that you, you roll out um, and sort of implement to um, help overcome some of those human, the human condition and behavioural Yeah, biases. sure. So the, the way I like to structure my investment is I do have majority portion to that, that long-term kind of goal, um, but there is still that, that short-term aspect. So I do like um, buying some, some spec stocks. Um, hey, but what, what's in the bottom drawer at the moment? I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but not, not putting all, all your money into, into those like super active, super like speculative type investments because that's when chaos comes and you freak out and it's irrational behaviour. But, yeah. It is really distracting for us in the office when you're yeah. doing that as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Mine would be to automate 
everything. So in terms of your investments, um, especially if you're doing like I'm massive on regular savings plans, um, if you're doing that, just get it automated and then try to not look at it or um, potentially, you know, just make sure you stick to what the plan is from the start because um, otherwise, yeah, that's the best way to be successful, yeah. I think, with investing is just stick to what the initial plan is. Make sure it's automated so you're not having to, you know, rely on yourself to go, oh, am I going to put this extra thousand in today? Because oh, I heard something on the news where the market said, you know, it's doomsday or something like that. Bloodbath on the ASX is one that comes up probably monthly. That's um, probably a, a good piece of advice there. Just don't watch the media when it comes to investments. <laughs> oh, what am I going to do? About that? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yes. I think just be selective with who yeah, you watch. Sure. So. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Don't listen to the clickbait. Maybe yeah. headlines too much yeah. Um, because, yeah, as soon as you're going, you're reading that and then you go, and if you manually have to put the, the funds in, that day you're probably going, maybe I'll just wait a bit. Um, and then, yeah, as we've taught, spoken about previously, um, yeah, that's going to, to not be great in the long term. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm all for that. Automate, regular savings plans. A lot of people have built a hell of a lot of wealth just by dollar cost averaging. Mm. So putting money in every month regularly like clockwork into a diversified portfolio, so whether it be an index fund or sort of something diversified, so you're not sort of thinking about, oh, what do I buy this month? Um, yeah, in the industry, we love doing that because we sort of that's sort of part of our lives and mm. I really enjoy sort of that stock-by-stock stock selection. But for sort of most people, if you don't want to put the time and energy and just sort of get that money going into a diversified portfolio and mm. it, it will work because mm. um, that compound interest is massive. If you're sort of not highly active put your dividends on dividend reinvestment and all that just keeps compounding yeah um, what is it the eighth wonder of the world or the ninth i don't know yeah. how many wonders yeah, I, think there are nowadays. I think it's eight yeah compound yeah. interest um and then sort of that leads us to the next one so diversification so diversification by and large it works so what it does it sort of do you want, does anyone want to jump in and explain what diversification looks like for portfolios or uh, so depending on your risk profile I guess, and we've spoken about the risk profile in previous episodes. Um, so say you're what we call a balanced um, investor, which can be anywhere between you know the 50 to 70% invested in growth assets. Yep. Um, so that means uh, you'll have a percentage sitting in Australian equities normally, then you'll have a percentage sitting in international um, equities, then you'll have some sitting in like property, you'll have some exposure to alternatives in there, and then um, some exposure to what we call the defensive assets. So things like fixed interest, uh, term deposits, bonds, cash, those types of, of things as well. Um, the reasoning for the diversification is say something happens, you know, really bad economic, economically in Australia. If you've got 100% of your funds sitting in the Australian market, um, then you're fully exposed to that. Yeah. Mm. Um, so probably the idea of diversification is that you've got a wider range and therefore minimising risk of those those yeah. downturns. And yeah, what we're trying to reduce is the, the correlation. So you don't want all of your portfolio moving in the same direction. So, um, so and it's really important to understand what you're investing in because a lot of the things might have different labels. So mm-hmm. you might have a, you know, fund manager A, Australian equities portfolio and fund manager B, Australian equities portfolio. Mm-hmm. They're both buying exactly the same things. Might be diversification by brand name, but not diversification yeah. in reality. So the portfolios will actually move quite, um, yeah, in quite sort of, close alignment to each other which is not what you want so Mm. um and that's why i'd sort of consider actually adding alternatives to the mix so we're adding you know commodities exposure currencies so stuff that doesn't really rely on what's happening in the equities markets could you go into a bit more 
explaining what the alternatives what kind of investments are? Well, in a nutshell, it's anything that's not a traditional asset. So the traditional assets are the ones that you just rattled off there. So yep. equities or shares, property, uh, fixed income, which includes sort of credit, bonds, um, turn deposits, cash, all those sort of things as well. So it's all those things that sit outside. Infrastructure is one that sort of is pretty common that people would know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I heard some ridiculous stuff the other day that it's about some families are spending on average in Sydney $80 a day, on $80 a week, sorry, um, in tolls. Um, oh. So infrastructure, yeah, assets, they work. So yeah. Transurban's sort of publishing that data and I know our, our one's about 40 50 bucks a, a week. So kind of, that stings. Uh, it's it a, lot, does, a yeah. lot of money. Yeah. When you, come, you guys are coming on Peninsula Link, so... Yeah, Um, so infrastructure, but yeah, commodities, currencies, all those other things. Um, I think, yeah, it's stuff that you generally are not going to do directly yourself, Mm. but you want to be sort of picking a really good quality manager that can give you exposure there. Um, And what you're trying to do is reduce the sort of the upside a little bit, so give up a little bit of those big gains, but at the same time, you're shrinking the volatility as well, so Mm. your downside's not as bad. Yeah. Um, so whereas equities might have a plus, you know, go plus or minus forty percent, that's not a that's a bit of a you know, steep roller coaster mm. ride. So a bit like lethal weapons, like <laughs> um, Space Mountain, yeah. Disneyland. Whereas we can sort of bring that down to something a little bit more, um, a bit more of a smooth ride, yeah. which helps sort of calm those nerves as well. Um, so yeah, that's probably the big one. I think mm. the the fundamentally though, I think long term, you just want to make sure you're staying invested. Yeah. Um, so do not sort of try and flip in. I, I haven't met anyone that can time the market. Um, I know if you just keep, there's a lot of people out there who are constantly predicting the bottom and uh, and the top as well. Yeah. Going, yeah, now's the time to get in or now's the time to get out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. And so they, like, they are right yeah. if they keep saying it over and over again. Well, it's, it's eventually, eventually, yeah, eventually they'll be right. Broken, clock, <laughs> broken, broken clocks, right? Twice yeah. a day. Twice a day. Isn't it? So, mm. Well, it's, it's pretty often that active funds um, don't outperform the market Every single year, um, yeah. So that's a good point. And the, well, statistics show that um, day traders, you know, as a whole, uh, are not not as successful mm. as the long term investors. So statistics show that if you are trading often, um, you're going to be less successful than someone who's buying and holding for long periods of time. And and also the cost is a massive component. So if you're if you're an active investor, you're buying and selling securities uh, quite often. You'll be paying you know high brokerage fees and not to mention the capital gains tax as well because you're, you're selling things all the time. So Yeah, tax implications are a big yeah. one, especially if it's your personal investment portfolio. So um, Yeah, and you're holding less than that one year period and then you're copying more of the CGT. Tax, yeah. No capital gains, tax discounts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that probably goes on to the next point too the, that we haven't we touched on kind of a little bit, but cash isn't always king. Yeah, um, and we, look, we're, I'm one to throw that around pretty loosely all the time. <laughs> cash is king. Um, and I think to an extent it is. Hmm. But you've got to get it right and go, cash is there sort of look for liquidity and certainty and a buffer. Yeah. I don't think it's an investment strategy. Um, yeah, so you're, you're more thinking about um, trying to time the market. So people that hold cash are trying to time and buy low and sell, sell high kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I think that's it's poison. I think yeah. that's a short way to sort of make sure that you're stressed out. And you're not going to get the the average market returns, um, and the average market returns are pretty good. So if you look at you know last seven years, global equities you know fifteen percent, um, yeah emerging markets that's been a bit of a roller coaster. I'm still sitting close to ten percent. Um, Aussie equities you know over seven years is nine and a half percent. So if you're just getting that index return, the market return that compounded mm. each year is pretty significant. So mm. 
Um, and that's what you're really wanting to do. And I think really the last one I sort of would encourage people to do is do research. Um, and that's not on the run sheet. I've just added it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so, um, but do your research. I think the big thing, the big test is if you buy quality companies and quality investments, regardless of if it's a fund, if it's an, you know, an ETF or whatever it is, if you believe in it and have conviction in your idea, mm. I'd say for me that gives me the confidence to ride out the volatility because I believe mm. in the business. I believe in the, the long-term uh, view of it. Because I, I, there's nothing that I'm buying today that I'm trying. I'm planning to sell in the next year. Yeah, uh, I'm not planning to sell any of them in the next five to ten years, mm. to be honest. Um, sometimes that gets taken away from you. Um, yeah, because yeah. you know the thesis may change. You need to be you know nimble enough to sort of adjust. But yeah, don't be so steadfast in the ways that if there's you know some errors that come up or issues that come up with a business that you you know know are going to impact it in the long term, then you've got to be willing to to go. All right, I've got to cut cut that here, but yeah. only under the drastic circumstances. Well, Warren Buffett talks about that circle of confidence. So that circle of confidence is, okay, these are my, let's say, 10 to 20 stocks that I love and I know and I know in great depth um, and stick to them. So as, so as soon as you go out that circle and you start buying certain things that you're not too sure about, that's when that uncertainty kicks in, yeah. which isn't good. Yeah, and in his letter, he was sort of even sort of going on that point to say he's going to miss out on a lot of really good opportunities, mm. but he's happy to forgo that for the ones that he has the highest, highest conviction in. Except mm. for craft. Oh, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get them all. And, and that's actually a good point as well. Thank you, Daniel, for hopefully, hopefully Warren's not changing. Um, you're never going to get them all right. Mm. No one does. Um, not even the greatest investors. Exactly. So cut yourself some slack. And don't sort of feel like, oh, actually, the first couple of investments I made didn't turn out to be the greatest ones ever. Use them as learning experiences and you'll sort of get to know yourself better, mm. but also you'll learn more and it's all about the learning curve. And that's part of the reason why we encourage people not to sort of put all of their sort of funds in straight away. Mm. I think really sort of staging that in so you're not ever fully invested until you're until it is that appropriate point where you're actually, you, you know exactly the right risk profile You've done your research, you know how much capital you need, you've kept your cash buffer to the side. Yeah, take it as a lesson learnt rather than um, making it turn you off investing yeah, completely. And, like you should have seen my portfolio when I was 18. By that matter, you're, you're going to be the... <laughs> I wouldn't have gone back to investing ever again. <laughs> and we've all had them. So, um, and you know, you get those tips and you want to sort of follow them. And I think that's important to enjoy it as well. So you can have those parts of the portfolio that are a bit more speculative. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely don't beat yourself up over that. So I'm sure Warren Buffett's not sort of, um, you know... Whacking himself on the head, going, "Oh, what if I've done terribly." <laughs> stuff does craft times. Yeah, um, yeah drop thirty percent. It's not sort of. Um, he might have to Dan gave him the clip today. Yeah. He might be. <laughs> yeah, I'll wait for his call. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that covers it off. And sort of, um, was there anything else we wanted to? Um, uh, the only thing we got a question in from the live um, chat of saying, "Do you recommend reinvesting your dividends?" Um, it depends. Um, that's generally the answer. That's how I start most answers. Yep. So it um, <laughs> really depends on personal situation and obviously mm. we can't provide personal advice. We don't know your circumstances. Um, but what we'd be wanting to do is really understand if you're not going to be focusing on and doing your research, dividend reinvestment or sort of reinvesting distributions, it's a nice, easy way to keep compounding your returns. Yeah. And I'd rather it go, instead of that 50 bucks or 100 bucks, get go into a bank account and earn nothing. I'd say if, if that's a business you believe in, not such a bad thing. And a lot of the times the dividend reinvestment plans might 
have a discount attached to it as well. Yeah. So you're getting a brokerage free. You can do it at a, a smaller amount, whereas minimum trade size is 500 bucks. So if your dividend smaller than that, which when you're starting out, a lot of the time it will be, um, that's important to know that, okay, that's a nice little way that, that I can compound. However, if, as your portfolio grows and sort of what I would prefer to do, and I think in a perfect world, this is how you do it, is actually take the money and go, okay, I've got cash in my my portfolio now. Would, do, would I buy this company today? Is that yeah. the best possible opportunity? Or are there other things that I'd rather allocate my money to? Mm-hmm. I think that's a much more powerful, I think that's true portfolio management and true sort of the best way to manage your investments. Um, but it's not always feasible for everyone to be able to do that, to be honest. So, yeah. you know, if you're starting out and want the autopilot way and you don't want to have that sort of you know, decision every time, because dividends also don't come in like, like every quarter. Yeah. They come in randomly and scattered throughout the year. Mm. Um, and they come in lumps where you know they're going to come. But, yeah, it might make it a little bit more cumbersome to yeah. invest. So. so if you're doing an active approach, maybe then... Oh, I think yeah, it, especially as the portfolio gets bigger. So um, I think it's definitely worthwhile to go, what would I do with this money and trade it like that because it is cash? And it might be that, yeah, I know I want to be part of this dividend reinvestment plan. You might choose to participate in some of your portfolio, not others. Mm. Um, but, yeah, overall, it's sort of um, by much, it's a pr- not a bad way to sort of approach it. Mm. Cool. I think that pretty much covers just about everything. Beautiful. Well, that's all today from today's uh, episode of the Wealth Collective podcast. We hope that you got something out of today. And if there's anything else you want us to uh, run through or cover in particular, just send us an email or hit us up on Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for tuning in and listening. And thank you to Zach and Dan thanks for joining us. me today. No worries. Cheers. All right. We'll join us again next time. Make sure you subscribe. Give us a like if you've enjoyed what we're doing. Uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts all the good ones, um, and there, and send any questions through to connect at thecarta.com.au. We'll see you again next week. Cheers. Thanks for tuning into the Wealth Collective podcast. You can get in touch with us and send any questions to connect at picarda.com.au or send us a message on Facebook or Twitter. If you have enjoyed this, then please subscribe and five-star us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Until next time, live well and be prosperous.